Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. gospel lesson is from the Gospel of John. We've been, the last few weeks, kind of reading uh, through the narrative uh, post-resurrection, but now we go back earlier in the gospel 
Uh, and this takes place as the beginning of the uh, beginning of the gospel passage here says at the festival of the dedication. This is a Hanukkah festival. Uh, Jesus is back in Jerusalem for Hanukkah celebration. Uh, and so hear now and listen to these words from John's gospel. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. And so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand for the Father and I are one. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Our psalm for this week is Psalm 23, the psalm of comfort that we so often read at funerals, and this seems to be an appropriate week to have come across this psalm again. It wasn't, I didn't... Uh, choose it for today. The people that put our lectionary together have assigned this psalm for this Sunday, for the fourth uh, Sunday of Easter, but perhaps the Spirit was at work here. This seems a good psalm after what has happened in the past week. This is a psalm of comfort. A psalm of comfort. Not a psalm of triumph, but a psalm of comfort, a psalm that is written in the midst of suffering. It's a prayer to God about what ought to be not necessarily a reflection of reality or a reflection of the author's reality, but a prayer to God. And so this Sunday we read this after we've had the bombing at the Boston Marathon and all of what happened after that, the explosion of a factory in Texas, uh, and also other tragedies uh, that took place this week that didn't make the news. Uh, our, our, our murder rate this week would have continued with probably another 400 people or so murdered here in the U.S. There were deaths of thousands by starvation, and by exposure, and from lack of access to health care. A whole host of people meeting a tragic end or being in the midst of, of horrible suffering this week. A whole host of people for whom it appears that God did not set a table for them. And for whom their cup did not overflow. And for whom goodness and mercy did not follow. Who were not anointed with oil this week. And so it may seem, in some ways it may seem kind of arrogant for us to sit here and read this psalm and say that God is with me. God has set a table for me. God has done all this good for me. We who are so far from such pains and such suffering this past week, to look out to the suffering of the world and say, hey, everything's good here. Everything's good with me. 
But I don't think we are so far away from all of the pains and sufferings of the world. They're part of us because we're a human family and because we care, even if we're not directly uh, involved. And so it's not arrogant for us to say the psalm because it's not so much a psalm of triumph that everything is so great and perfect with me. And we might look at it and think that because we weren't bombed or we weren't blown up in a factory or we haven't lost a house to flooding uh, or to a foreclosure or other obvious visible sign of suffering that we're okay. But we're not necessarily okay. Not always okay. And I wonder if some of this kind of thinking to look out and go, oh, okay, they're having awful tragedies, bombs blowing up, factories exploding, whatever it is, and say, well, that's not happening here, uh, so we must be doing okay. I think that comes from a kind of a consumerist mentality or a material mentality that says, well, as long as you have your material things, you're okay, and that you're not okay only when those get taken away, when you lose your house or someone dies uh, or some, uh, you get flooded uh, or whatever. And I think that kind of thinking can ignore the fact that material goods don't make life and the absence of those goods don't necessarily reduce life. I mean, they can. Certainly the homeless are in a bad spot and those who are hungry, those who don't have uh, enough to eat or don't have medical care. And to look out at, at the suffering of others uh, and think that we're okay because we're not going through these tragic things, I think also ignores the very real suffering that we go through that doesn't involve material things. And so it might seem odd to claim that Psalm 23 is a good thing to say when we seem to have life so easy and others don't. But I think we can say it because the truth is we don't all have it so easy. We might in comparison to someone, but we still, we still have our own suffering. And so we can say this psalm not because it represents the truth of our lives, but maybe say it because it doesn't represent the truth of our lives. Say it as a prayer of hope, a prayer of supplication, a prayer of what God's realm ought to look like, of how things ought to be, and a prayer that God is present, even if we haven't had the table set up for us yet. And I, I know the stories of people in this congregation. I've been with you. I've gotten to know you over the years. I know the struggles with aging bodies, failing eyesight, difficulty driving at night or inability to drive at night or not wanting to drive in bad weather. And so some of you have spent a long winter uh, alone, not able to get out as much. I've heard your stories of medical issues, suffering from poor health, lack of energy, other things keeping you down, those who have suffered from the suicides of loved ones, 
friends and family. Suicide. Some have said that the gift of pain that never stops giving is so difficult to live with. Or those that have had thoughts of suicide. There is suffering amongst us. You know, Rick Warren's son committed uh, suicide a couple of weeks ago, and I've known people that have committed suicide or people that have thought uh, of it. And, and I think you know, hear that phrase sometimes that God never gives us more than we can handle. I think those that have known people that have committed suicide know that that's not true. Sometimes we get more than we can handle. Some people can't handle it. We among us suffer anxiety over money and jobs or children, aging parents, changing world, struggles with whether we're good enough, smart enough, diligent enough, hardworking enough, thin enough, smart enough. Are we wearing the right clothes? Are we saying the right words? Are we fitting in? Are we the right kind of person? And we worry about this church. We worry about Plymouth worry about our denomination, uh, in some ways worry about even mainline Protestantism as it has been declining. Anxiety over, are we losing that progressive voice to the increasingly loud voices of, of fear uh, and hate and easy answers, black and white thinking uh, and violent solutions to complex problems. We may not have, uh, we don't have bombs going off in Eau Claire, but we have little bombs going off in our lives all the time that reduce us of life and reduce us of wholeness, that take away part of who we are or who we would like to be. And so we can say this psalm, this 23rd psalm, to remind us of who God is. And how life is supposed to go to remind us who God is, to say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And to say that is to say that that's how God acts. The Lord is shepherd. That's what the Lord does. God shepherds us. God does not act as as terrorist or factory explosion or earthquake or flood God does not act as a mental illness or a child that turns away or a financial disaster. That's not God. God acts as shepherd. And to say the Lord is my shepherd is also to say that our only shepherd is the Lord. Or if you don't like uh, uh, language of, of Lord, when you see Lord in all capital letters like that in the Old Testament, that's where God's name is, Yahweh. And call God by name. Yahweh is my shepherd. This God who knows me by name and that I know by name. Yahweh, I am who I am. Part of the divine mystery. I am who I am. Is my shepherd. The God of Abraham and Sarah. The God of Ruth and Esther and Mary. The God of Mary Magdalene and of Peter. That God is my shepherd. And that God who became incarnate as Jesus Christ, 
is my shepherd and my only shepherd. My shepherd is not any other god or king or emperor or president or any other politician. Nor is my God violence or torture or revenge, vindictiveness, lack of mercy, uh, weapons of war, fear, anxiety, or suffering. None of those are my God. None of those are my shepherd. Only Yahweh, only Jesus is my shepherd. And that's the relationship. And all that this God wants for us is to lead us to still waters and green pastures and to lead us on right paths. And for us to know that God is with us. That God is with us on that journey. To know that we do not need to fear evil because evil is not our shepherd. Evil is not our Lord. And evil only has the power also that we give it. Evil has no power except when we squander God's power by giving it to evil. Evil only has the power that we give it. And so, psalmist says, I fear no evil. Or we say in the Lord's Prayer, deliver me from evil. Which is not a a statement of magical protection from evil, but a truth that we do not need to give in to evil. Or do not need to fear its repercussions. And there might be consequences for not giving in to evil. We've seen that over the years. Christians and others who have been martyred or harassed, arrested, treated poorly, assassinated. There are consequences sometimes for not giving in to evil. But those are holy consequences in a way for standing up for what is good and for what is godly. We need not fear evil. It doesn't have to have power over us. And also, God can't set a table for us before our enemies if we're busy fighting our enemies. There has to be a pause to come to the table. God can't anoint our heads with oil if we don't sit still long enough for God to touch us, to reach out to us. Especially if we're busy searching for some other god or idol or uh, lord or shepherd to do it for us. It's not going to happen. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't have to give in to evil. We don't have to play by its rules. I think that's partly what Jesus was saying in this passage in John. He's not playing by the old rules anymore. He says, this is a new world. God is doing a new thing. The old rules that didn't work, the old rules that still don't work, but we seem to haul out every now and again and give them a try anyway, those rules are gone. It's a new world, a new way. My works testify to God, Jesus said. Testify to himself. And what we do testifies to the God that we believe in. And so acts of love, charity, mercy, generosity, hope, trust, all testify to the God of the Bible, who is incarnate in Jesus Christ, the one who is the great shepherd who showed us the way, and the one that lets us know that in the midst of pain, whether it's bombs or floods or mental illness, or friends dying, loved ones dying, 
financial anxiety, whatever it is, to let us know that in the midst of pain, even in the midst of anxiety about tomorrow, that God is with us. Always. Always with us. In the harshest moments of life, God is there to set a table before us and to overflow our cups with people who rush into places where bombs have gone off, people who move in to help, people who bring food, people who bring comfort, people who bring a visit, quilts, clothing, people who provide a house for those who are homeless. In the harshest moments of life, God sets a table before us and overflows our cups with acts of love and generosity in the world. God is with us, our Lord and our shepherd through whom mercy, through whom through whom mercy and goodness follow us, and in and in whose house we will dwell forever and ever for all of our life. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.